everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Impossible Podcast. Today's episode is with Haydar Logie. Haydar is Iceland's first professional surfer. Uh, he doesn't just fly off to California and Bali to surf in warm waters, but he actually does cold water surfing. So he bounds around the Arctic looking for the best, coolest adventures and jumping into them instead of running away, jumping into them. And by doing that, he gets some of the coolest waves on Earth, both actually with the vistas and with the temperatures. Sorry, that was a really bad joke. I, I don't know what I'm doing over here. But Hadar was awesome. We met up with Hadar in Iceland. We were doing some shoots for Impossible that will be coming out very soon. And Hadar was very gracious enough to shoot with us. And afterwards, uh, we did an interview talking about his life, his passion for sports, his problems with studying, and how he overcame them by getting out of his mind and into his body. And so that's something we talk about all the time. And as he was talking throughout the entire interview, uh, sometimes I just go really quiet, and that's because I'm just nodding along with him because I could relate so much to what he was talking about. It was such a good interview. I'm really excited to get into it. But first, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple ways that you can do it. First of all, as I mentioned in the last episode, back to shipping. We're launching a bunch of new things here at Impossible coming up, and the first one that we've already launched is called the FPC Protocol. It's an intermittent fasting protocol designed to help you gain weight while staying lean. So if that's something of interest to you, if you've been a hard gainer your entire life, check out FPC Protocol. I've had it done for quite some time. I was sharing it privately with some beta testers. People were seeing great results, so we decided to release it to the public. If you're interested in gaining muscle while staying lean, check out the FPC protocol. It's a super simple protocol, and we try to make it as affordable as possible to get started. So check that out. Also, moveallapp.com. I go on about this all the time, guys, but if you're not doing your 10 minutes of mobility a day, you're only hurting yourself. Mobility might be the most underrated aspect of your athletic performance or even just your day-to-day life. If you're sitting at your desk all day, you're probably cramping up, your lower back starting to hurt. You can do 10 minutes of mobility today that are going to stretch you out, make you start feeling better. If you're an athlete and you're trying to stay uninjured, you're trying to stay you're trying to stick to your workouts and stay uninjured. You need to be doing at least 10 minutes of mobility a day. I created this when I got hurt, and it was the one app as I started to make my comeback and finish all my races with 777. It was the one thing, one major change that I made to my fitness routine was add mobility, and that helped me stay uninjured, stay strong, and keep pushing. So check it out, moveallapp.com, 10-minute mobility routines, making it super simple to do your mobility every single day. No excuses allowed. And finally, impossiblegear.com. If you don't have an Impossible shirt, you need to go get one. Go find something on your Impossible list and then go knock it off. Next up, as I mentioned, we are launching a bunch of new stuff at Impossible. And the first thing that we have up here, guys, is sweat-activated Impossible shirts. And so if you have your Impossible shirt and you want something just with a slight tweak, uh, this is sweat-activated apparel. And basically what happens is as you sweat, it's a normal gray t-shirt with the Impossible HQ URL on the back. But as you sweat, the Impossible logo is activated and it starts to show up across the chest. At the same time, there's a quote on the back that says, it's always seems impossible until it's done, which is one of my favorite quotes ever. So as you work out, the logo starts to kind of appear and the quote does too. And when that happens, then you're allowed to go home. So check that out. It's available for pre-order for the next couple weeks, but we are trying to get it to you guys by Christmas. So 
Uh, we're going to close those down and then they won't be available again till 2019. But if you're interested in getting your sweat activated, Impossible shirt, check it out at impossiblegear.com. All right, guys, that's it for announcements. Let's get into my interview with professional cold water surfer, Hader Logie. All right, so we are coming to you live from an undisclosed location in the Arctic with Heider, Heider Logie. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes. Cold water surfer, yogi, adventurer. Basically, you're a Viking is what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's where the roots are from. You know? <laughs> so we did a shoot with Heider this morning at another undisclosed location, doing some epic shots, picked them up, and... Uh, we talked about doing a podcast and you mentioned you've been getting hit up for podcasts quite a bit, but you've never been on one. So this is your first podcast ever. Yeah, this is my first podcast ever. And um, I've always been kind of like scared of him. Okay. But then recently I've been telling myself that I kind of need to like just say yes and do it. So I thought this was like the perfect opportunity to start. Yeah. It's way less scary than the uh, open cold water of the Arctic. So... This is going to be, it's going to be way easier. <laughs> Maybe not as exciting, but it's going to be easier. All so right. let's get into your background because uh, I found out about you a few weeks ago from a couple of mutual friends and I started following all your stuff. I'm like, dude, this guy is incredible. But let's start with your story. How'd you get into cold water surfing? Where did that start? And where did kind of like your lust for adventure begin? So this is actually, this is a long story, but... Um, we got time. Yeah. So... <laughs> Growing up, I grew up as a hyperactive kid, you know. I was always running around and I was constantly getting into trouble, you know. And like school stuff and everything that included like sitting down and having to focus on one thing just didn't really work out for me. I remember when I was starting school, I hated it from the first year. And the reason was because I was always bad at sitting still, always bad at focusing and the teachers would just like give up on me yeah. they would tell me to get out of the classroom send me to the principal and um, every time i would get out of, like sent out of the classroom i would just hold my breath and i would just start running you know because i had so much energy i would just <laughs> and that was like my natural way of releasing and then i ended up getting expelled from second grade from the school i got sent to like a children's psychiatry and i got put on ritalin from a very young age, and that went on for 10 years, the Ritalin. But growing up in Denmark and living there as a kid was actually good because the system there for kids that are having troubles is pretty good. So when I moved back home when I was about 14... And home is Iceland? Yeah. Okay. I got sent to a normal school. I just started a normal life, except I was still hyperactive, you know, I was still on Ritalin. I mean, school wasn't like a major problem, except I was the worst in class, you know? Yeah. But that's like, that happens. So I started snowboarding when I was 12. And that was the first time in my life that I found something that I could just do all day on my own terms and get all my energy out. And that was also the first time in my life that I got home and I laid in bed and I could just go to sleep. Yeah. Like my whole childhood, I spent 
laying in bed, couldn't falling asleep, just like exploding, had too much energy. So I immediately found like a connection there and I immediately felt that I felt better both physically and mentally. Yeah. Uh, I finally had room for my own thoughts and I finally had room to be normal, you know, be calm. So I did that for a couple of years and every day when the resort was open, I would go. And I would even skip school if I needed to. I, I made a deal with my teachers that if I would study the things we were going to learn in the class during that day, mm-hmm. before 10 o'clock, I could go snowboarding. How old are you and you're negotiating with your teachers? 12. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it that much, huh? Yeah. You just like knew, you knew you had to do it. Yeah. And that was also the first time that I actually put some effort into studying because before I had just been sitting in class, not wanting to study. And at that time, I finally had like a reason to finish my homework, finish everything we had to study for, you know? So in every, I don't know what it's called, but like between classes, like in every break, yeah, yeah. I would sit down and I would study just to be able to leave school early and go snowboarding. <laughs> and uh, that kind of saved my school year. And then I did that for a couple of years and I wanted to become a professional snowboarder. And I always had that dream of becoming a professional something that I loved, you know, either a skater when I was really young or a snowboarder when I was growing up. And when I was 15, I started surfing 10 years ago. And that was something completely different to what I'd ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. I'd growing up being afraid of the ocean because we have so many fishermen in Iceland that are taken by the sea. And we grow up hearing stories about how dangerous the ocean is and no one should go near it. And that's why people kind of keep away from the ocean in Iceland. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. You know, despite from how cold it actually is. So I found the love for the ocean when I was 15. And um, within a couple of years, surfing just took over everything. I kind of stopped snowboarding. I stopped skating. And I couldn't think about anything else than surfing. So yeah, that's how I got into it. Yeah. So you're 25 now? I'm 25 now, yeah. Okay. I've got a ton of questions. And when you're talking about wearing yourself out, with snowboarding and being able to like finally find something that like lets you fall in bed and fall asleep. I've done a bunch of different races and there's nothing better to me than like finishing a day so tired because you just like left it all out there and you can't do anything but sleep. Like I know the days where I don't expend that much energy. I just sit and stare at the ceiling and I'm like, I can't fall asleep. So when you're saying that I'm like tracking all the way with you. Oh yeah. And I mean, seriously, if there's, anything that I'm willing to put an effort in for, that's to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. That was just funny. I'm like, I know that feeling. But as far as like surfing, like how do you even find in Iceland? Okay. You're in Hawaii. I understand there's like surf spots and there's places and there's a culture and everything. What is the surf scene like in Iceland? How do you even find out about it? And then how is that different from every other place in the world? Because you have to want to surf here. It's not just like a nice relaxing activity that like you're out in the ocean and one with the ocean and there's a bunch of other people there. When we were out there this morning at the undisclosed location, you're the only one out there. And it takes an effort that isn't necessarily required when you're surfing in other locations around the world. The thing is, waves are always going to be waves. Bad waves are bad waves. Good waves are good waves. But what's different is the surrounding and the temperature, obviously. So I grew up surfing in Iceland and I you know I lived nearby beats where there were 
small waves a couple times over the winter. Definitely not consistent, but like, you know, I could see it out my window whenever there were like knee high waves and I would get out there. And then as I got older and I started traveling more, I kind of just realized how much there is to explore. Before I started traveling, I always thought that I needed to get away from Iceland, you know, live somewhere warm, somewhere that I could surf every day or surf good waves or, you know, somewhere that surfing is normal. But then I saved up some money and I started traveling. And within a few places that I went, you know, I always started realizing that I missed home, that I missed surfing at home. Now I try to spend my money on traveling around Iceland and surfing around here instead of traveling around the world and trying on new places because there are so many places that I haven't been to in Iceland and I've been all over, you know, and there's so many things to explore that. And that's what's different. It's driving for hours through a snowstorm to get on the other side to potentially get some good waves or not, or just to drive back home. It's, you never know what you're going to get in Iceland compared to Indonesia. You see a swell, you know, it's going to be good. You can go to a spot, surf it for a couple of days, you know, it's going to be good. While here you drive five hours, maybe just to drive back. Or when you get that lucky day and when you actually stumble across good waves, you get such a crazy feeling of sense of accomplishment. You get this crazy feeling that you've put in so much work and effort and time and money and not so many hours sleeping and skipping sleep. And and then you just drive towards the ocean and you come up to a spot and it's just firing and there's no one there. And that's what I like about surfing here. You know, when you go five hours and you get that wave, that's like such a different sense. You work so much harder for it that it pays off so much more than if you just wake up and, oh, there's a nice wave there. Exactly. And also, you know, spending nights on the same spot over and over again, waking up, knowing that you're going to get good waves, waking up, eating, surfing, eating, surfing, going to sleep over and over. I kind of get a bit bored. With time, I realized that surfing wasn't really the only thing that I loved. It's also the adventure around it. That's a big part of it for me, at least. Finding the wave. Yeah. That's awesome. So... I was going to come to this later in the podcast, but can we talk about the truck? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're out there filming with you today and uh, you pull up in this truck and it's awesome. And I assume that's kind of what helps you adventure around Iceland and figure it all out. And do you want to talk about one, how you got hooked up with that? And then two, how you use it and how you use it to kind of find the adventure and, and find the surf? Oh, yeah. Having a good car, it's essential if you want to surf here. So that's my first priority. It's to get to the spot. And I've owned a couple older cars on big wheels. Like me and my friend Ellie, we, own, we actually own a camper at the moment, which we've had for a couple of years. It's sick. It's like 1987. It's been lifted, big wheels. It can get through anything pretty much, except a lot of wind because it's so big. But the down factor is that it breaks down a lot pretty much every trip. So we've been stranded in places that have no cell phone reception, that have nothing, (laughs) just stuck. Yeah. But, you know, that can't be part of the fun and always is, you know, after the trip, it's always going to make up for a good story. So the thing about this truck that I drive now, it's a Nissan Navara on 35 inch tires, which is just the perfect middle way. You don't want it too big. You don't want it too small. 
What I pretty much live for is that we see a storm coming. We check if the wind's going to be good for the waves and, the, and if the waves are going to be good too. We drive through the storm and a lot of the time we, we end up getting stuck. We have to take the car free and then we surf the waves behind the storm, as I said before. But this truck is specially designed for surf mission for me. I have a camper on the back with a heater in it, so I can pretty much just stop anywhere and sleep overnight. And instead of going to spots, surfing, going back to the hotel or to like a guest house, we can just stop there, set the camp up, go surfing, get back in the car, go to sleep, wake up the next day, surf even more. That's sick. I love the idea that one of the concepts I talk about on the site quite a bit is when things are hard, things are impossible. Most people run away, they go away from them. But if you go through them, that's like where the good stories are. That's where like the experiences are. That's where the adventures are. And it's like the storm's coming. Most people are like hunkering down, staying inside, trying not to go out. And you're like, I'm going to actually drive through the storm because when I do that, there's good waves on the other side. Yeah. You know, having to work for things, it's like a must do. You know, if you don't have to work for anything ever, you're just going to get bored. You're just going to become depressed. And that's like a major thing. Having like a thing to work towards, yeah, yeah, it's a must. I think that like positive stress of like spending all day snowboarding, like like we were talking about earlier, like spending yourself in a day and finishing and being like, I got nothing left. I got to go to bed because I'm done. Like those are the best. You have like spent all your energy. You have all these endorphins that are coming from the experiences, from just knowing that you left it all out there. There's no other feeling like that. And I've done ultra marathons and all sorts of other stuff. And I don't even like running that much, but I love getting through the race and having the feeling on the other side of that. I hate running, but I love what running gets me. You mentioned surfing isn't the only thing that you love. It's the adventure of finding the surf. Exactly. It's like, that's the piece. That's the thing. That's awesome. So when you go on these camping trips, how, how many days do you go out for? It really just depends. Sometimes it's just overnight. Sometimes I see there are going to be waves early in the morning. So I just drive there the night before, yeah. set up camp and wake up early. And, and then I can wake up and look at the waves and decide if I want to go out or not. Yeah. Instead of waking up super early, driving to the spot and maybe it's not even good. So if the waves aren't good, I would just go back to sleep then drive back home or, or spend the day out in nature. And if it's good, I wake up, make some coffee and get out there. So it's like the ultimate surf vehicle. But of course, we've spent, I don't know, not in this car though, but our other camper, we took to the Pharaohs for two weeks. And that was actually quite easy because it's heated. It has a stove. It has everything you need, except it's like a compact space. But the heater broke down on day three and uh, it was snowing in the Pharaohs. So we had to wake up couple times a night put on the stove and then turned off again before going to bed but that makes the trip even better but yeah so i'm sure i could spend like a month or two in the car really comfortably yeah what's the longest you spent i think it's two weeks yeah just you or you and a friend or no that was the pharaoh trips i think that was the longest but what we primarily use it for is when we see swells that aren't close to home we drive there and it's to have somewhere to stay and to be able to get to the spot because a lot of times there's not even guest house Yeah, nearby. exactly. Imagine surfing a spot and having to drive for an hour to get somewhere or even two hours to get 
to where you're sleeping and then back again the next morning. It's it, you save so much time on just sleeping on the spot and and you get such a better experience out of it. So you started surfing at 15. And you're 25 now. When did you realize? You know, you always said you wanted to be a professional. Something is surfing pretty much what you do full time right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, surfing, yoga. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't teach that much yoga at the moment. I'm focusing more on my own practice because I feel like I just have like an X amount of time. I could, I'm giving yoga a week. So if I'm spending that time teaching, then it's going to eat into your other time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, so I just want to spend my time that I give myself for yoga for my own practice. But my main income comes from surfing, from sponsors. I work with um, a great company, a local company called 66 Degrees North. And it's a perfect fit because... Before and after surfing, most of the time it's even colder. The air temperature is even colder than the water during the winter. So having good outdoor clothing just changes everything. So when did you realize between 15 and 25 that like, hey, I can actually make this work? Because everybody talks like, oh, I've got this one thing that I really love to do. And they talk about maybe making it happen one day. And a lot of people never even get there. And so how do you, when did you start to realize that, hey, this could be a thing? That like, instead of just negotiating with my teachers to get out of, <laughs> get out of classes, that I could actually make this a thing. And I, you know, I don't have to keep doing homework. I can just go do this. I don't have to go to a job. I can go surf every single day. Yeah. So I was pretty sure I was going to get to become a professional snowboarder before I started surfing. But then when I started surfing, I thought that was just going to be something extra on the side. And then when it took over and I realized that I just want to surf, I kind of had to start over again. So th- at that point, I realized I wasn't going to become a professional snowboarder because I liked surfing more. And I kind of gave up at that moment. So I got a real job. Okay. What was it? I was a waiter for years. Yeah. And I liked it because it was like shift work. So I would work a couple of days and then get a couple of days off. And then I could spend all those days on doing something that I actually like. And then a couple of years went by. And when I was around 19, a lot of my friends were telling me that I should try and become a professional surfer. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty happy as it is. You know, I, I'm, I don't stand a chance out there. And then I went on my first surf trip with uh, my friend Logan Landry. And I visited Nova Scotia and we went to California. And I spent three months total. And being around him and being able to ask him a lot of questions about professional surfing kind of made me realize that I had something. And at that time, I was getting more and more interested in becoming a professional surfer. And I was working a job that I hated. Still the waiter job or a different one? Well, at that time, I was uh, running a bar. I was running a cocktail bar. And I quit drinking when I was 19. Okay. So it just became (laughs) worse and worse, you know. And I was still running the place when I was 20 or 21. I don't remember. And I just remember that I hated being there. You know, I was getting anxiety attacks just by thinking about, the rest of the week or the rest of the weekend. So I knew if I was going to get out of there and follow my passion, which was surfing, I had to work really hard and use all my extra time to work towards it. So I started gathering footage. I started gathering content, started making a little CV of the magazines that I'd been involved in or the videos that I'd been involved in. And I put it all together and I created a presentation of my future's plans as well. And I approached 66 Degrees North. And they loved it. So we started the partnership and it kind of evolved from there. And then 
at the end, I was getting so many side gigs and I was getting my salary from 66 degrees north and I just saw that I could stop working. So I kind of took the leap of faith and I just like quit my job and I went to Indo for three months for money that I'd saved up from the job. And then I got back and I just went full force in. And uh, I got a little part-time job just to start with. And then within a couple of months, I was earning enough money to get by. Obviously not a lot of money, but enough to make it work for me. So I guess the recipe is getting a job you hate yeah. <laughs> and doing everything you can to get out of there. That happened to me. I uh, had this one job with this one company and got basically promotion to this other company that a higher paying job, whatever, hated that company, realizing like six months that like, I need to leave. And six months I ended up quitting. And if I would have stayed at the job that I was kind of happy with, I would have never quit because it, it had to get bad before I made a change. Exactly. That's the thing. I've always thought about quitting a job to get a better salary somewhere else. Yeah. And then realizing that you hate that job, but it's not all that bad, you know? That's the drive you get from doing something you don't like yeah. is to work towards something you really like. Yeah. I have a friend who, when he's talking to entrepreneurs or people about talking about quitting their job, he always says like, quit your actual like nine to five job and get a waiter job because the shift aspect at least gets you your time back in some way, shape or form. And so if you're doing the shifts, it's an interesting angle and he's much more uh, risk prone than other people are. But his whole concept is like, hey, if you do shift work, then you basically get X amount of hours throughout the week back that you can go plow into surfing, working on your side hustle, whatever you want to do. But at least then you can control your time versus working a nine to five where you're like your most productive hours of the day are just spent staring at a screen or something like that. Exactly. It's. I mean, it's not like you're going to go somewhere or do something big between when you wake up at nine o'clock or from five o'clock until you go to bed. You get some time before going to work and then you get like three or four or five hours after work that you spend on being tired at home yeah. you know, or <laughs> recovering or take, from work <laughs> taking yeah taking care of the family shift jobs aren't that bad i mean depending on if you're if they ruin the days that you're off but yeah definitely you work a lot a couple of days a week and then you get a week off maybe they, they help you optimize for time exactly and uh, a lot of people don't realize a lot of times people think money is the big issue and the real big issue is time and they can't get away from a job or they can't you know, afford to take like a three-day weekend to go surf or something like that. But if you have a, maybe you can take three days in the middle of the week if you run in a shift job or a cocktail exactly. bar that's closed on Monday through Thursday. Exactly. I've also, a lot of times I put myself in the steps of, of a nine-to-five worker. Yeah. Like, what would I do? Like, how would I thrive in a nine-to-five job? And I think if you have a good education and, and, and you, can, you can go for good salary, I think what I'd do maybe in the future, I don't know. I think I'd take like a part-time job. Instead of taking a full-time job, getting a good salary and having a lot of expenses because you have so much money, yeah. I think I'd rather just take like a 50, 60, 70% job and cut down on expenses and try to live cheap yeah. to actually be able to have some time on my hands. Yeah, You know, work three weeks, get a week off or something like that. Personally, I value free time more than money. Yeah. And at a certain point, there's a diminishing return to more money, more money, more money. And what are you going to do when you have all that money? I don't know. Maybe go surfing. like, <laughs> And you could do that right now if you just chilled out for a second. And for me, I, it's very variable how, how much I earn yeah. from month to month. 
And I've just realized that the months that I earn a lot of money and the months that I earn not a lot of money, I'm just as happy. But still, I somehow manage to spend way more when I have the money <laughs> than when I don't have the money. It's yeah. crazy how money can just fly out the window when they just come. What are things that you've done to like reduce your ex like burn rate to focus on surfing, especially when you know maybe you're in the leaner months, like early on, where things weren't as like established as you are as you are now. Well, I work with a restaurant that sponsored me, so I don't know. Maybe it's hard to say that that's a trick, but that's at least a trick that I can that I can use for myself. And uh, so, yeah, I work with a restaurant, so that takes down a lot of my expenses for food. Uh, there's also a fish market that I work with, so I get the fish that I need and I eat healthy. You don't drink anymore, so that's. A, I don't, that's a I don't drink alcohol, so that's that that saves me a lot of money and, yeah. and time, and yeah, I just try to stay content. You know, not buying a coffee every second hour at a coffee house. <laughs> I don't ever shop for clothing on the internet or in stores. Pretty much, it's very, very rare. Yeah, it's kind of funny to hear you talk about it because it seems like you know when people are stressed out and doing stuff they don't like you almost have to spend more money to deal with the fact that you're stressed out and unhappy all the time yeah versus if you're just like you know what i had a good surf day today i'm gonna sleep well tonight like you don't have to go out and buy something from amazon or you know yeah. go have a drink to forget about the bad day you had at work you spent all day on the waves exactly yeah i've never understood that like having to buy all these things on the internet every day you know yeah that's awesome. I really like that. And uh, being content is one thing I'm not very good at. I'm always trying to, especially with like adventures and like what I'm capable of, I'm always looking at like the next thing, but then it like seeps into everything else. And then I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? Things are good right now. You just enjoy yourself for a second. Oh, I'm being content. I was just talking about stuff you don't need. You know, <laughs> adventures are things you definitely need. And I, I spent all my money on adventures. I don't know. I spend like a thousand bucks on petrol every month or even more. <laughs> and for that, I allow myself to spend a lot of money on things that I'm going to remember and things that are going to give me something for my um, memories. And yeah. my memories. I like the fact that you mentioned you spent like a thousand dollars on petrol because in context, like without the 10 minutes of talking that we did before that, that sounds like an insane amount. But when you're just like, you take basically the amount of money that people spend on like coffee and like, random bad food they don't need and alcohol and like eating out in like a month or whatever and you take all that money and you shove it into petrol and it's like it's just reallocating a lot of budget that most people are already spending and uh, you're just putting it towards getting around iceland i really try to be careful on not spending my money on rubbish that i don't need but when it comes to adventures and, and things to do i just try not to care to be honest even though i can't really afford it i'm just like I got to do this. Yeah, you know, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I'm, I lay low on spending money for a while, but I got to spend the money on this. What are one or two of the adventures that like pop in your mind when you want to tell a story or when you're like, or, or even just recently that you're like, that was awesome? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the last few weeks have been a little weird. One of my best friends who I surf a lot with is abroad. Okay. And the other two guys that I surf a lot with too, have been busy. So I've been driving to these spots. It's been like pretty massive, big waves, big, big barrels. And and usually I don't really like surfing alone, but I've actually been enjoying surfing by myself for the last few weeks. 
even though it's like big waves and it's super shallow and it's kind of like dangerous, I just think it's awesome to, you know, have something that you know that you love, but you don't want to do it because you're alone and then just do it. That's like accomplishment for me. Yeah. Because if nobody wants to come or, you know, if everybody's, everyone's busy, it's kind of been holding me back to go by myself. Yesterday I had an amazing surf. You know, it was double overhead. It was crazy big. It was just me. I had my GoPro. And I came out of the water after a couple hours. And it was just amazing. I don't think you came... You came out at like six hours. You told us you were going at like 9 a.m. And, and you came out like 3 p.m. or something like that. Oh, yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. he's been in there all day. Yeah, actually, I went in there for about three hours surfing by myself. And then I got out of the water. And I was like thinking about going home. I was hungry. The only thing I ate was like six in the morning or, or even earlier because I drove my friend to the airport that morning. So at like one o'clock or something, after three hours of surfing, I was like, I got to eat. I might just go home, just eat, chill for the day, go to bed early. And then two of my friends came out and the waves were still good. And they were like, oh, let's get out there. And I was like, ah, I'll join you guys. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So we surfed for about two or three hours and, and it was super fun. And then I just got out and I was so hungry. And it was like five o'clock or something. And the only thing I'd eaten was like a like an airport sandwich yeah, yeah. earlier that morning, five o'clock. Even this morning, you know, we shot, what, like 8 a.m. to noon. And you were in there for like two, three hours or something like that. And then you came out and they're trying to get shots of you after you came out of the water. And uh, they were taking a lot of shots of you. And at one point you're like, yeah, I'm a little bit cold right now. It's a little like, you know, the wind after all the water. You're like, I'm a little bit cold. And I'm like, I'm assuming, okay, he's cold. He's going to wrap up. He's going to like dry off and like, you know, head in. <laughs> you go to the back of the truck, you get a different board out and you like run back in the water to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the strange thing. It's, it has, it draws me so much towards it. Yeah. And surfing for the first few hours, filming with you guys, was fun and I had some good waves and I just wasn't really ready to stop. Yeah. So I grabbed a different board and I went out there and I was out there way too long. It was like two more hours or something and I was I was pretty cold after. But getting on land, standing for a couple of minutes, it makes you cold. Yeah. So it's better to get out in the water and swim. It creates a bit of warmth, but I never got fully warm again, which is fine, you know. If if the activity is good enough cold isn't anything that should stop you yeah. but i had a little thought about this after you guys left and after i said to myself all right this is the last wave and then i got a really good wave and i thought to myself oh my god this wave was way too good to stop i gotta get one more <laughs> so i paddled back out and i got a shitty wave and i was like ah, this can't be my last wave it's too bad <laughs> so i was kind of like stuck between two of either the wave being too good and I'm not going to stop if the wave was this good yeah. or the wave wasn't that good and I can't, you know, stop after this wave. I got to get one better one. Yeah. So I probably stay out there for like an hour, <laughs> you know, just catching good, bad waves and just like dealing with myself because it's funny, like you get so much energy from taking a wave. Yeah. It energizes you on a different level than anything else that I've experienced and you paddle out there, you sit for a couple minutes and you kind of like start like getting calm and you're like all right this is my last wave and then you get a wave and you're all hyped up and i'm like i'm never gonna stop <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going so it can draw for a couple hours sometimes 
So I'm curious on the meditative effect or the effect of you, you know, when you're talking about being in school, being way too hyperactive for a desk and then being out in the water though, like sometimes you're sitting there waiting for a wave and it can be, we were sitting and watching you and we had the drone up and uh, the drone battery was dying. They're like, just take any wave, whatever. And he's like, no, it seems like he's waiting for the big ones. I think he's pretty selective if he's out there. But in between the waves, when you're waiting for something, like I'm curious with this and the breathing and the yoga practice that you've got and all that, like the meditation during a specific activity where you're doing something, but you're not, maybe you're waiting on something to happen in order for the next thing to hit. Like, is that kind of how you found a way to calm down is like doing these extreme activities and then being able to be like, Oh, I'm going to like settle into this now. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a connection. The thing is, if you have something extreme, if you have something that's like a little bit dangerous, a little bit that you need to pay attention for, that's a type of meditation because there are two types of meditation in yoga. And the first one is focus on one thing, just put your focus on one thing and that's going to clear your mind of anything else. And then there's empty your mind. And what sports do to you is you're focusing on one thing for the whole time you're doing it. If you're thinking about what's for dinner, then it's not stimulating enough, obviously. But any type of meditation is good, no matter in what form. So even though it might not be called a meditation to go surfing, it still is. And you're focused on the waves. There's so many things you need to think about and there's so many things that keep you occupied. And after a session like that, it's like doing a seven-hour meditation, you know? And that's what makes you feel good after, not to mention the energy you burn. And I just feel if I don't burn the energy, I don't have room in my mind to think. I just have so many thoughts and I just get so restless. And I even, even if I have too much energy, I tend to get lazy, you know? I tend to just like scroll Instagram because I can't think what I want to do. So as soon as I do something and get that energy out, I have room to figure out what I want to do. The laziness coming from too much energy is really interesting because you're like, I got to do something. So I'm just going to like scroll. Yeah. And same thing, you know, with running. It's just like, I've never been the guy that's going to sit down and be like, I'm going to do a 20 minute meditation sitting on my couch. But I will go for a five hour run. And at that point, I'm going to zone out and like, I'm going to solve every single problem that I've been bouncing around in my head. And then I'm going to forget about them all. And by the time I've done, it's like, I'm in a whole different place. Exactly. I've always found that the active meditation, even like I'll talk about like cold showers or cold water therapy, where you just like sit in like an ice bath. And like, that's way easier for me than like, uh, even just sitting for five minutes and like, how do I feel right now? It's like, when you're in an ice bath, you have to like, Focus on breathing because otherwise you're gonna hyperventilate. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're gonna get a get hyperthermia. Yeah. So I'm curious on the cold water for you. Is there a specific appeal to the cold water of like surfing in Iceland versus like surfing in a warmer climate, or is is that part of the appeal, or is it just like it's harder, so that makes it more fun for you? Well, yeah, you definitely don't get bored because there are so many other things that are keeping you occupied. But when you jump in the water, you're not cold, except you if you're cold before you went in the wetsuit. But the cold parts are when you take your clothes off and put the wetsuit on. But that all becomes nothing when you look at the waves and you see it's pumping. You're willing to do anything to get out there. So taking off your clothes and getting a little cold is a piece of cake because the rewards are so big. But then you get out there, 
you paddle, you get warm. But if you end up sitting for too long, not to mention the coldest days of the year, like minus 10, 15, you know, you're going to get cold. Your feet are going to feel like two blocks of ice. You're not going to feel when you stand up on the board because you're so numb. But even, even at those times, you're thinking, okay, I'm freezing, I'm shivering. Should I get out of the water? And then you think, I can't. The waves are just too good. I'm going to regret it. If there's anything that gives you this much, no matter what it is, you're always willing to do whatever it takes to get it. You kind of see it with drugs, you know, with drug addicts. They get addicted to it, you know. Not that they want to get addicted to it, but it just, there's just so much force pulling them towards it that, you know, sometimes they have to do things they don't even want to do to get it. But surfing for me is kind of the same way, except it's not negative. I don't know how many birthdays I've skipped or dinners or plans that I've had to bail on just because I know the waves are going to be good. I'd rather just get out there, deal with whatever, if it's cold, if it's anything, and just like work it out. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's uh, addicted to something that's positive and moving in the right direction. What other adventures do you have coming up? Is it all surfing? Is it... I know we've talked about a couple other sports that you've been kind of experimenting in. Like, what's next? What's uh, piquing your interest right now? So, I recently got into freediving. A friend of my mom's contacted me and asked me if I wanted to go freediving with him. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really sound that exciting, to be honest. But then I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll come. And then I tried it. And it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Really? Yeah. And... It was so challenging in all the different ways surfing is because it's all about slowing down, all about calming your heart rate, you know, calming your nervous system, deep breathing. So it's actually a bigger form of meditation than surfing is. It's just so different than anything else. I mean, obviously it's also a water sport, but it gets you on such a good mental space and, and just holding your breath, diving down, you know, you hear nothing. You're super calm. It's like a deep meditation for me. How long have you been doing that? Just a couple of months. I did it for the first time at home. And then I went to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. I did a course there. And then I did two sessions. I went down to 35 meters, which I was pretty proud of. And I got home and I got some gear. I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. It's also good for my surfing because surfing big waves, you tend to get quite big hold downs. And learning to hold your breath is probably going to save my life one day. Yeah. That's awesome. You're going to be doing that a lot now. Yeah. Whenever there's no waves, I'll be doing that. Okay. Any other things? I go to Bali every year. Okay. I, when? I go late May, usually. And then I spend all of June doing yoga with uh, my teacher, Mark Roberts. So he has a... In Ubud or...? No, it's in Changu. Okay. So he has like a Ashtanga intensive workshop for a month. And uh, that's one of the better things that I do every year. I don't really like surfing in Bali. So I tend not to surf that much. But I just spend all my energy on doing yoga and learning, learning more. Are there any new surf spots around the world you're trying to, trying to check out? Yeah, there's a couple spots that I want to score at home okay. that only break a couple times a year. Okay. But around the world, 
You can give me regions if you don't want to give specific spots. I don't know. I keep checking out home. I used to have all these spots around the world that I was like, oh, I gotta get to serve that spot or, or go there or, you know, spend some time there. Uh, but now I've, I'm more drawn to home, yeah. more drawn to driving around and finding finding waves. We were driving around and it's like every 15 minutes in Iceland, it's just, you're in a different place. The weather's different, like the topography's different, like something else is going on. And part of the reason we came out and decided to film stuff here is because you can hit so many different types of things and so little time. And the island's way bigger than you think it is. The first time I came here, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to drive around the island in like a couple days. And I'm like, quickly realized definitely not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a quick ring road that that can take like three or four days yeah but then you're gonna miss out on all the good stuff and you're just driving the entire time <laughs> exactly <laughs> so cool man well uh we can get you out of here but before we do uh if my audience wants to find out more about you and uh follow you instagram website stuff like that where's the best way to for people to find more about you i'm pretty active on instagram it's hate our Loki. I'll put a link in the show notes so people yeah. can check it out. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. I mean, I have a website, not very active on it, but... HateRLogie.com. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'd say Instagram is the place. Okay. This is fun, man. I uh, appreciate you doing the shoot this morning and doing this right now. This is a really good time. I had a good time. Yeah, man. It's been a good day. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, next time I'm back in Iceland or if I run into you in Bali, I might be out there around the same time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. If you're around, yeah. hit, hit me up and we'll do something fun. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Thank you. Hey guys, so that's it for today's show. I had a great time getting to meet, interview, and uh, shoot with Hadar. It's uh, really awesome what he was doing. And and some of the places in Iceland that we got to see with him were incredible. Uh, If you guys enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate your help. Uh, The best way you can do that is to leave a rating and review on iTunes, five stars. If you guys are enjoying the show, it's the best way for us to reach more people and inspire them to push their limits and do something impossible. If you guys are interested in pushing your own limits, there's a couple other ways uh, you can support the show. First of all, check out uh, the FPC protocol. It's the protocol I mentioned in the last episode that we launched. It's designed to help you get stronger and lean out at the same time through an intermittent fasting protocol. We had it in the library, if you will, uh, for quite some time, but uh, we saw a bunch of people sharing it privately and uh, seeing really good results, so we dusted it off and released it. Check it out, FPC Protocol on Impossible. Uh, You can also check out MoveWellApp.com. MoveWellApp is 10-minute mobility routines designed to help you get stronger, move faster, and start moving well. If you're an athlete or a desk jockey and you guys aren't doing 10 minutes of mobility a day, you're not going to be able to perform at your best. You're probably going to hurt. You're probably going to recover from injuries slower than you could. So 10 minutes of mobility, super simple, super easy. It's a mobility coach on your phone and it only takes 10 minutes. So get it done. Moveallapp.com. Also, as per the usual, you should check out impossiblegear.com. Get your impossible shirt. It might tempt you to grab a surfboard and knock out arctic surfing off your impossible list remember we have a new sweat activated impossible t-shirt that only shows up once you've done the work once you've sweated through your shirt impossible shows up on the front of the shirt and the quote it's always seems impossible until it's done shows up on the back so you know you finished your workout you know you pushed yourself and you can go home knowing you left it all in the gym or on your run 
You can check that all out at impossiblegear.com. And the Sweat Activated Apparel is on pre-order right now for the next couple weeks. So check it out, get it while you can, and we'll try our best to get it to you guys by Christmas. All right, that is it for this week's episode. But I will see you right here, same time, same place. And until then, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible. <laughs>